Welcome to the Desire Lines podcasts. I'm Rebecca. I'm an artist and over the past year I've been slowly developing Desire Lines, an art project that engages with communities around Crow Park in Keswick, hosted by the National Trust. These podcasts are audio collages that bring together different voices and stories from the project, recorded during walks, interviews and online creative writing workshops. Each episode explores recurring themes that have come up in the conversations. In episode one, we'll delve into deep and slippery time, mixing up the past, present and future. You'll hear snippets of conversation about the history of Borrowdale from the beginning of time, geology as time travel, changing landscapes and people's visions of a future which does not yet exist. In this episode, you'll hear from Morris, Jesse, Roy, Livy, Morwenna, Gita, and a bit of Crow Park weather. If you were to visit Crow Park 200 years ago, you would be standing in a woodland. Individual rock and a stone, you can see it in the micro as well as the macro. Hawthorn, Blackthorn. Rowan. I love the fact that I live near a rainforest. Gather in the ashes, the oaks. <laughs> it makes my day. Recording now just there, then I know it's working. Okay, so basically what I'd like to start with is how you come into Crow Park. Like where, where's your starting point for entering Crow Park? Oh, maybe, maybe, maybe there's a need for a path. reasonable to assume that, that uh, it had been woodland or forest of some sort, probably dating back hundreds of years. So yes, it was ancient. The panorama into Borrowdale is wonderful. So you're looking out on the, the, one of the most wooded valleys in the Lake District. You're looking out at Atlantic Oakwood, um, which is incredibly scarce globally. I suppose I ought to get into the park at some point. So in the park, yes, we've got the World Heritage Site plaque and the new path which kind of wanders along. But the line of that path um, kind of follows the line of the flotsam that came up in the flood. And yeah, I just... People started walking along it after the waters went down. And we kind of went, oh, oh, maybe, maybe, maybe there's a need for a path. I think about the idea of memory. Many people believe that water has memory. I wonder the nature of that memory, what it means. I open my mouth and sip water. The water is cool on the tip of my tongue. It is slightly brackish, but pleasant. I trace the passage down my throat and into my belly. It is soothing to my warm tissues. I wonder if that memory of water becomes a part of me, transformed to something else, something I cannot decipher. What I would love to be able to do, it's something that Chris, our ranger out on the, the Whitehaven coast does, is they've got um, its former um, coal mine land 
that now it's being regenerated as grassland. And what he does is he lets the grass grow up high, so it's all kind of knee high. And then he mows these amazing kind of twisting paths through them. Mm. And I would love, because a lot of people, people don't go to the summit. I mean, it's not much of a summit. There isn't, there isn't one point on it. It's kind of a flat summit. But people go down to the lake to take photographs. People walk along the path, especially now we've put it in. But but people don't seem to go to the summit, and the view from the summit is is so much better because you get that whole three three sixty degree. And I would love to mow a path in the grass. In James Clark's survey of the lakes. He describes the felling of the oak trees on Crow Park in the 1750s. After the wood was cut, none of the trees appearing likely to sprout again, the farmer, Mr Scott, dug them all up and ploughed the ground. His manner of ploughing it deserves notice. He began at the base of the hill and ploughed in a spiral to the top so that one ridge and one furrow covers the whole space. There's the old tree stumps that are hidden in the water. Oh, yeah. um, How often do you actually get to see them? The, um, the peak of the hot summer. Yeah. Um, that hot summer we had a couple of years ago, we saw them yeah. because the lake was the lowest it's been for a long, for a long time. When you think about a, a landscape cleansed by 25,000 years of ice, a mile deep, a mi so two kilometres deep, the ice, so that, that it covered, there were very few mountain tops exposed, if any. When you're staring at a rock, you're actually staring through time. You're staring at what was and what has now become. You're seeing the world in a whole different way. When I'm looking at the mountains, I'm seeing them being formed as the, like now. It's this dynamic that kind of goes around in my imagination that I'm, seeing the glaciers pushing down the mountain. I'm seeing the thrusting of the um, plates and collisions that are happening that's causing these folds and faults. And you can see it not only when you're looking at the mountains, but when you're looking at an individual rock and a stone, you can see it in the micro as well as the macro. They reflect each other. It is a land of foreign ice. You're looking out on a a 400 million year old Aldovician landscape um, created by volcanic action, by one of the world's largest volcanic systems. And when it was being made, that view, if you could be standing there when that was being made, this is the incredible thing about time. You would be stood where New York is today. 400 million years ago, that land surface at Crow Park was three and a half thousand miles west of here. So what happened was 500 million years ago, where we are now was underwater, deep, deep underwater. Flint axe factories in the Langdales date back three and a half, four thousand years. So it, it you could, what's what's a thousand years when you when you've been talking in millions? And as the ice melted, the rivers formed, channeled out the valley. And you'd have stood on Crow Park, and you would have seen nothing but rock and running water. That's because 
at some point, glaciers came at 10 to 15 million years ago. They were scouring the landscape. They were taking up everything they could, anything light, anything heavy, and they were just dragging everything down from Scotland. This then ended up like depositing everything where it was when it melted. You have, there was then a period of like really, really dry heat. Um, it was near the equator and we actually had a desert. So you might have seen St. John's Church is this really bright red sandstone and over in St. Bees, you, you, it's defined by those red cliffs. Um, that is because it was a desert. It was an actual desert. Between the land and the water, I see a crow flying high, flapping its wings to and fro. I breathe in and out, in and out. One day at the tip of my heart, in and out. Breathe in, breathe out, in and out. And one day a new world might build itself from the dust in front of your eyes. I'd like to see the, a good percentage of the field, maybe 10, 15%, top of my head, uh, taken out of grazing, uh, gated and fenced, uh, and have fruit trees that members of the public or people in Keswick can just go and help themselves to. Uh, but also, uh, as it works its way up the slope, changing through to uh, hawthorn, blackthorn, uh, rowan, trees for birds to get the fruit off as well, and wildlife areas. Uh, and I think if we did that like a progression of, the, of them going up the hill, we could then uh, reassure and make sure that in the future we don't spoil the view from Keswick. Slowly the trees arrived, obviously then followed by everything else. And it's a slow change in terms of, in terms of human occupation. So the walls would have moved in, European brown bear would have been here, the otter, the beaver, um, uh, the roe deer, the red deer would have arrived, um, golden eagle, many 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 raptor species golden eagle sea eagles um, red kites would have been an abundant if you stand on here uh, in the middle of summer it's quiet apart from the traffic noise and a few people uh, whereas if we get sort of fruit trees in here for the for the insects and the birds it'll it'll be alive it'll be alive with the birds it'll be alive with the insects and it'll change it completely Standing on Crow Park at 5,000 BP, you would have been witnessing wonderful wildlife and a richness beyond compare. This podcast was edited and produced by R.L. Wilson. Recordings were made by Rebecca Baynart and R.L. Wilson. Thanks to everyone who's contributed to the project so far and Jesse Binns and the North and West National Trust team for their support. The Desire Lines project is part of Trust New Art, 
the National Trust's programme of contemporary arts, supported using public funding by Arts Council England. To find out more, visit nationaltrust.org.uk forward slash desire dash lines. <laughs>